You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by managing editor of HogBeat.com, Andrew Hutchinson, and recruiting expert over at HogBeat.com, Alex Trader. Uh, guys, what a game on Tuesday night between Arkansas and Auburn. Um, as you can see on my background, if you're watching on the YouTube, this is this is what happened after the game. Um, if you're listening, I'm sure you know what happened. You're, you, I mean, it, it was everywhere. I think it was on Good Morning America. TMZ posted a video of Musselman without a shirt on. It was it was big news, and this game lived up to all of the hype. Hutch, I know, I know you're kind of going, you're kind of going back and forth on whether you think this is the best game you've ever been to or not, but just tell us, tell us what your thoughts were. Yeah. I don't think there's any debate after sleeping on it, especially sleeping on it a couple of nights. I think this is the best game I've ever seen live for basketball, at least Uh, not quite ready to put it ahead of the Henry heave Ole Miss football game. Uh, But this one was, was up there. Just an incredible game, incredible atmosphere, uh, went to overtime just the, the second half of that game was just phenomenal just two two heavyweights throwing punches back and forth uh, all half I mean it, there was 13 ties 13 lead changes in that 20 minutes that's pretty incredible if you really think about it I mean that that's just it, it's almost hard to fathom so uh, just an incredible night of basketball and for Arkansas to come out on top was just uh, just kind of the, the perfect ending uh, with the fans storming the court, you had, you know, Devo Davis throwing down the dunk right after the buzzer. It was after the buzzer. I know some people think it should count, but it was after the buzzer, but that doesn't matter. It still was him. Uh, how do I put this uh, appropriately? Uh, dunking on a guy. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, and then immediately the lights going out, the fireworks you know coming off the basket fans streaming out on the court just an incredible incredible scene that I know I'll never forget well I you know you mentioned the the fireworks and the lights going out it reminded me of the A&M game a couple weeks ago where that happened before the game was actually over so at least this time the game was actually over and then fans started to storm the court um, before the game started so you knew the students were going to show up they were lined up you knew that they were going to pack the student section. There was a little bit of worry of, are people going to get off work in time? It was a six o'clock tip off. Are they going to be able to fill the arena in time for, you know, the pregame atmosphere? And I, I think, I think they did. I mean, they announced a record crowd, what 20,327 Hutch. I think you, you don't, you said you didn't even know they could fit that many people in there. Yeah. It's the first time they've ever, they've had 20,000 in there since 2001. And so I, I was under the impression that they just they could not get 20,000 in there. There were several games over the last decade where I'm like, OK, here we go. This is going to be a 20,000 crowd or whatever. Uh, but they it, it wasn't. It was 19 something or 18 something, which are incredible crowds. Don't get me wrong. But uh, this is a place that everyone has always said, oh, you got 20,000 fans in there screaming, you know, hollering and you know cheering for the Razorbacks. It's an incredible atmosphere. Well, they haven't been able to hit 20,000 and to, to do it last night or against uh, uh, on Tuesday night. I, I still don't know how they did it because they've been announcing 19 for every game because it's been a sellout all year. 
I don't know if they found some like standing room only tickets or maybe they started counting the concession stand workers or the media. I don't know what they did, but uh, whatever it was, they, they beat the old uh, Bud Walton Arena record by seven people. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty incredible crowd. And I was just, I was glad that it kind of lived up to the hype because like you, I was a little bit worried because you know, a six o'clock start, it's not a big deal for those people that live in Northwest Arkansas. You could you know, take off work 30 minutes early, get there, no problem. But if you're in Conway or Hot Springs or Little Rock or Harrison or something like that, you got to take a half day just to be able to make it to the game. And people were able to make it happen. And boy, they, they made it quite the, uh, quite the raucous environment for Auburn. Before the game, I was telling you, Hutch, and a couple other people, I think the crowd is going to give Arkansas at least five to ten points in this game. And I think I think that was a fair assessment. If you go back and you look, every time Auburn was at the free throw line, you cannot tell me that the crowd did not affect a shot at the free throw line. I, I, I think of Walker Kessler at the free throw line. I, I mean, maybe he's not the best free throw shooter, but he was clearly affected by the crowd and Alex I want to ask you um, I mean how key is that to have a crowd behind you because you think you know you're looking ahead you got Kentucky coming to town the crowd's going to help you there as well I mean if you can have a crowd that's going to give you five to ten points in, in the way Arkansas is playing that that's whether you win or lose a game yeah, it's massive. Um, you look at it and you're not always going to have a, a number one ranked Auburn coming to town, Arkansas with a chance to, you know, come in and do something that, that hasn't been done before. Um, but you are going to have those Kentucky games, th those big time games that are going to affect seating and affect how, how you look um, in, in the AP poll and the, in the NET in Ken Palm. And I think Arkansas did exactly what the fans thought they were going to do. There was momentum building the whole week. And even I was skeptical um, coming into the weekend. I was like, okay, you know, Auburn had that close, close game against Georgia. Uh, Arkansas played it pretty close against Mississippi state. We're going to come in. It's going to be uh, maybe close, but I don't know if Arkansas can do this. And as the weekend kept going on and as Monday passed and then we got to Tuesday I started to get more confident and a lot of that was because I was seeing the videos of the fans lined up outside the stadium hours before um, and seeing Bud Walton Arena kind of just fill up the way that it did for that Kentucky game um, in my freshman year in 2019 uh, those games are atmospheres you just don't forget and you know I had a test that day, so I had to give up my ticket, same as I did for the A&M game. So uh, my main takeaway is that I need to stop giving away my tickets um, so I can be a part of one of these these amazing atmospheres. Yeah, those are those are some big mistakes by you, Alex. You missed out, but um, that you you'll be there. I mean, hopefully you can be there for the Kentucky game. I should be out of town, so you can you can have my credential for that game. Um, but uh, let's get down to the actual game. Um, Auburn didn't shoot 40%. That's another game where Arkansas holds a team to under 40% from the field. But, Hutch, at the beginning, Auburn was just lights out. I don't, I don't have the stat in front of me, but they were, they were shooting really well to start the game. And then Arkansas comes back and makes a run, gets up by 10. But it felt like at the beginning, you know, the crowd was loud and Auburn just kept silencing them every time they went down on offense. Yeah, I think Auburn started, I want to say four of seven from the floor. So they really did. They started out hot, but pretty much at that point, they went ice cold. I think they had a stretch where they went two of 21 from the floor. 
just a, a really, really, really cold stretch. But yeah, they, they started out, you got to give them credit. They really weathered that, that first initial surge of the crowd because it was loud in there. And uh, I, I know I, I told a, a guy that I was sitting next to on press row, I said, you know, aside from the fact that I have no athleticism, one reason that I could not be a division one athlete is because I'd be so puckered up in an environment like that. I'd be incredibly nervous. I wouldn't be able to do anything. I'd be worthless. So uh, it, for Auburn to come out and, and kind of weather the storm and they, it was, it was a close, I think they actually led for the first several minutes of the game. Uh, that, that was, that was impressive. And, and I thought that was kind of one of the keys for Auburn to winning the game is to weather that initial you know, emotional high from the crowd from Arkansas, and, and they did that. So credit to them uh, and credit to Arkansas for being able to, to kind of dig their way out of that. Yeah, I think I remember uh, posting on our live updates on the board, like at the first media timeout, which I don't think came until like 14 minutes, but um, I, I remember typing like Arkansas survives the first five minutes. And that was I th- kind of like you mentioned, that was key. Can you survive these first five minutes and show like you can play with the big dogs? Um, I mean, some people, I mean, you know, all the arguments. People were saying that Auburn isn't a big dog. They were number one. So number one is number one. Um, and Arkansas survived that first five minutes. Then they went on their run, got up, I think it was 23 to 13. And then after that, I think J- – so J.D. Note hits a three. It wasn't really a heat check because he wasn't, like, on fire, but it was, like, a three where he was, like, I'm going to show you I can make this. And then, Alex, Arkansas doesn't score another field goal for the last eight minutes and 29 seconds of the first half, yet they go into halftime leading. That's just crazy. Yeah, and I really was getting nervous at that point because you have the number one team in the country on the ropes. You really probably could have put that game away way earlier on than you did, um, especially with the way the fans were um, and the arena was rocking. If you can continue to build that lead up, then you're going you're gonna to make it almost impossible to come back. And when, when the Hogs let them back into it, you start to get that little bit of doubt like, okay, well – this is what this is what the number one team in the country is going to do. They're going to come in. Walker Kessler was kind of dominating on the glass, um, and, and you just continued to keep holding on to the lead going into the half was huge. I think that had to be a sticking point for Musk in his halftime speech. Like, hey, we played not great these last eight minutes, and we're still on top of the number one team in the country at home. We've got the advantage. We've got the the arena rocking. We can make history here. And um, just being able to go in with that lead makes such a difference, especially when, when you're trying to get in the mindset of, Hey, before the game, you go in thinking you're going to win the game, but it's a different story when you're leading at halftime and you're like, okay, only 20 more minutes and we can go ahead and, and do something that no one thought we could do. Yeah. And then right out of halftime, Auburn comes out and they immediately tie the game. Like first 10 seconds, they get a three point play and it's 28, 28. But from there, the biggest lead in the second half half was 51-46 Auburn. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. It was a great second half to watch, Hutch. But let's let's skip through to the end. Um, man, you just thought Arkansas was going to have it. And then Auburn hits some threes. And I don't know. It was, it was a little – it felt like it was a little premature when the students were flooding down. And then you see Jabari Smith hit a three, and you're like, "Oh no, this this might not go good." Well, first of all, let, let's let's rewind just slightly to the end of regulation. 
you know, that five point lead that you mentioned for Auburn, that was, that was late. That was late in the game. And, and it was one of those sequences where I think they got a, a, a I think a Wendell Green got a, a driving layup. Arkansas missed a, an open look at three and then Wendell Green went down and knocked down a three. I mean, it was like bang, bang, bang. And you're thinking, oh gosh, that's, that's kind of, that might be the knockout blow. You know, the number one team in the country is going to kind of, they're going to do this. And there's only a couple minutes left. So credit for Arkansas just to get to overtime. And then, then as you said, that overtime period, it may not have been the prettiest basketball in the world, uh, to, to put it nicely. Uh, you know, Arkansas, they, they did get a three from J.D. Note, and then the rest of their points, the entire overtime period, were at the free throw line. Uh, so credit to them to making the free throws, but it just it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. Uh, Walker Kessler fouls out with 103 left. And I think that's when the fans, the students, really started feeling it because he fouled out. Arkansas goes down, makes two free throws. I think it was Jalen Williams to go up by like five. And at that point, that's when all those students started making their way down. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, it's not over yet. I mean, when you've got a guy like Jabari Smith, who after watching him live, that dude's incredible. (laughs) That dude, I I remember thinking the same thing after seeing Cade Cunningham last year in the Oklahoma State game. I left that arena going, holy cow, that dude's good. And I think the same thing about Jabari Smith. I mean, 6'10", can really shoot it well crazy athletic I mean if that guy someone on our message board say you know if he had the same mindset as like a Mason Jones or a Todd Day or something dude would average 30 a game I mean he just doesn't quite have that kind of killer instinct I kind of think same things we talked about Mason or Moses uh, Moody last year uh, but he was incredible and it knocked down those two threes it really made Arkansas put the pressure on Arkansas to make free throws and they did it. I mean, I, again, I would have been so puckered up with that free throw line if I was those guys. So for them to do it. And then also, you know, people forget about this. And I, I almost forgot about it while I was writing my story afterwards. Arkansas only went one of two at the free throw line with about 16 seconds left. And it was a three point game. But Jalen Williams got the offensive rebound. And that's what really sealed the game. Uh, I think it was his 11th rebound of the game, probably the most important one because had he not gotten it and Auburn had been able to rebound it, they would have had the ball with about 12 seconds left down three and we could, you know, be going to a second overtime. So just a a fantastic, you know, heart, you know, racing finish uh, and one that, you know, Arkansas fans are probably used to losing those kind of games. And yet Eric Musselman comes along and they've won a lot more of those close super tight finishes than they've lost, you know, in the last three years under Musselman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only, the only time you can think of is that, that stretch his first year where Isaiah Joe was hurt. I know they lost a couple close games there. I think one of them was to Auburn overtime, Auburn in overtime and Bud Walton. So, um, but I, I kind of want to ask you, Hush, before we wrap this segment up, um, I want to ask you in overtime, Bruce Pearl pulled Walker Kessler out for like a minute and a half. And then he came back in and fouled out, of course. But, I mean, he had to have just been gassed because there was no reason you should pull Walker Kessler out in overtime. No matter – I mean, he had four fouls, so what? Yeah, that dude looked like, you know, a modern-day Bill Walton or something out there. I mean, seven foot one, 16 points, 19 rebounds, seven blocks, just a – just a – Stupid line score. I mean, that, that's just unreal. 
And I think I saw where Hog stats, he doesn't have complete stats for like every game. So he doesn't know it's the only other time that he's had a guy, seen a guy put up that kind of line. But the other guy was Robert Parrish. I mean, that's just, it, that's incredible company to be in. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't know why. I mean, he had to have been gassed. I mean, he's seven foot one. So it's probably not easy to get up and down the court. Uh, and I saw some people making a comment about how, Walker Kessler is kind of what Arkansas fans wish Connor Vanover was. Um, and he's just not. Uh, and, but I mean, even for a guy that's, you know, really good, quick, athletic, like Walker Kessler, he played, he played a bunch of minutes, 30 something minutes. That's, that's a lot for a big dude. And so I'm sure he was gassed and they wanted to kind of preserve him for that last critical stretch. And, you know, if he didn't foul out when he did, you know, maybe we're talking about a different game because he probably gets that rebound with 12 seconds left and Auburn's got a chance to, to force a second overtime. And, and who knows what happens if they go another five minutes? Yeah, that that was the thing entering overtime, at least for me, was if you get Walker Kessler to foul out, I think Arkansas wins that game. And sure enough, they did. And you mentioned it once Walker Kessler fouled out. The, the feeling in the arena was, all right, Arkansas's got this. They're going to win. And, of course, the students, you know, made their way down. So um, we're going to wrap this segment up. We'll give our final thoughts on the Auburn game, talk about talk more about the basketball team moving forward. we got some baseball coming up in the show, some football recruiting coming up in the show. So if you like it, give it a thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, and go check out all of the content we have on hogbeat.com. Um, and with that, we'll be back here in a minute. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour. Mason Choate, Andrew Hutchinson, and Alex Trader along with you today. Before we get to more of the Auburn game, uh, I just want to ask if, if you like what you see, you like what you hear, go to HogBeat.com, check all of that out. It is well worth your money, well worth your time best content on Arkansas sports there is Hutch we still got a deal going on for students yeah yeah if you are a college student anywhere in the country or world I guess you could say uh, send me an email with your edu address uh, and I will hook you up with your first year of hogbeat for just 11 11 dollars and 95 cents that's usually 100 dollars uh, so you're getting it for a massive, massive discount, almost 90% off. It's like 88% off, something like that. Uh, it's a heck of a deal. So uh, I know how money is somewhat tight for college students. I've been there. It hasn't been too long, believe it or not. So uh, I, I, I know how it is. So if you want that deal, shoot me an email. My email is andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com. If you can't remember that, go to any story on hogbeat.com and that, that will be listed at the top of the story. So uh, hit me up and I'll, I'll hook you up with that awesome deal. All right, go check that out. Like I said, well worth your money and time. So, all right, back to this Auburn game. So Hutch, we were talking, you said you forgot to mention the fine that Arkansas got $250,000 for rushing the court. Uh, I'd say they probably made enough money off of that game that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, especially when you factor in just like the advertising and the publicity. I mean, we were... We were in the uh, post-game press conference with Eric Musselman afterward, and as, as they finished, he, he looked over to Riley Hall, his, his, one of the, I don't know what his title is, but he's on the staff, and he's like, okay, when, when do we have Scott Van Pelt? So he, he was getting ready. He got done talking to us, and he was getting ready to hop on Sports Center. 
to talk about it. So, and, and plus you mentioned at TMZ, Good Morning America. I mean, every, every publication, every thing that covers sports at all uh, had stories about Musk taking his shirt off, the court storming, uh, knocking off number one Auburn. I mean, it, it was all over the place. So Arkansas more than got its money's worth. Um, but now, of course, the thing to keep in mind is that every court or field storming from now on uh, is going to cost Arkansas a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000. That's not chunk change. But again, if you get a great moment, like the Texas game last September, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned it on the board, you know, the next court, the next storming uh, I could see would be October 1st. And that's if you beat Alabama in Fayetteville. I don't know if that's going to happen, but if it does happen, I could easily see the fans storming the court, uh, storming the field at, at Razorback stadium. So uh, it, I'd say in Hunter, Hunter Yurchak, he's okay with it. I mean, he, he tweeted out pictures of both of them from the, the Texas game and, and the Auburn game. And I think he said priceless. So that tells you his stance on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you follow Michael Turner, the catcher for the baseball team on Twitter. He tweeted out after the game. He said, why can't we store in the field at bomb? So, I mean, heck, they might storm the field at bomb if they, I don't know what Vanderbilt, Mississippi state, but that's, that's weird. Cause you got to think Arkansas is probably going to be a top five team. So top five team doesn't storm the, I'm trying to think, is there going to be a team that's ranked higher than Arkansas when they come to Fayetteville? I mean, they have a loaded, loaded baseball schedule. So it wouldn't surprise me if someone's ranked higher. But as you said, Arkansas baseball, they, they, they don't, they, they expect to win championships. So it, it's a little bit different of a situation. The football team had been just so miserable leading up to that Texas game. Uh, the basketball team, yes, they did make it to Elite Eight, but he, this was number one. You'd only beat number one one other time, and it was Michael Jordan in North Carolina. So it's a little bit of a different situation. Plus, I don't know about y'all. I don't know if I've ever seen a field storming in baseball. I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's like baseball fields are sacred. And I know baseball is kind of weird in that regard. So uh, I don't, I don't expect it to happen, but I know the baseball team was definitely there and fired up. I saw Connor Nolan's uh, tweeted something like, you'll write the check best $250,000 ever totally worth it or something along those lines. So uh, pretty cool to see all those guys supporting the other programs on campus. Yeah, I, I don't – I asked Michael, like, how the heck would you storm a baseball field? And he said, I don't know, but we can make it happen. So, um, I, yeah, I, I also saw Peyton Paulette at the game. Someone leaned over to me and said, there's Paulette with his bionic arm because he's got the brace on with the, from the Tommy John and stuff. So, that is cool. But let's get into some individual performances from the Auburn game. Alex Trader, I want to ask you, uh, Devontae Davis – I mean, there were a couple times where he pulled up for a three and you're like, what the heck are you doing, man? But, I mean, two for three from three, four for eight from the field. He he came in, gave valuable minutes to Arkansas and did kind of what you need. We've talked about it. Like, if you can get Chris Likes and Devontae Davis to play their roles and play them well, this Arkansas team could be dangerous. And sure enough, he was good enough to help them be the number one team. Yeah, I think that was an important mention at the end is if they play their roles, and, and that's exactly what both of them did. They went out there and were able to um, to facilitate the ball when they needed to and also play really good defense. And, you know, having Devo out there pestering, or pestering the ball, trying to make those plays, giving that effort on the defensive end will wear guys down, and you see that it did. Auburn 
you know, had a, a lot of really costly turnovers in this game. Um, and, and I think that's a result of, you know, maybe they weren't having their best day, but Arkansas also put the pressure on and was a huge reason as to why that was happening. Yeah, Debo had a game high five steals. Um, I didn't even realize he had five steals. That was that's big. Um, another guy, Hutch, Audis Tony. I mean, it felt like any time that you needed something, he was he was just magically there. And that's kind of the role he's been playing is when you need something to happen, Audis Tony's there to um, take out the trash. But there were some times where it's just somehow the ball ended up in his hands and he put it back up. That's I mean, been his role all year. That's something Eric Musselman has said, like, you know, we don't even have to drop plays for him and he's going to give you 10 points just because of what he does on the offensive boards. And man, it was critical, critical, critical against Auburn because they were just getting dominated on the boards. I mean, Auburn was plus 16 on the boards in the first half. I mean, it was looking like it was, it was going to be a long night. Uh, Auburn had, I think 11 offensive rebounds in the first half. Arkansas had zero. And they talked about that at halftime. Eric Musselman said, like, hey, y'all have to rebound. And also, don't be afraid to go get offensive boards. I think the team was so concerned about Auburn's ability and transition that as soon as the shot went up, you know, they, they were getting back trying to prevent, you know, fast break points, things like that. And they, they were like, hey, let's go get some offensive boards. And Audis Tony was that guy. He had 10 rebounds and he had, he had a double-double. He had 10 rebounds. Five of those were on the offensive boards. Those were critical, critical boards for Arkansas. And I don't know if Arkansas wins that game without his efforts out there. I mean, he was just being really, really tough. I mean, he's he's a big guy, but not super big. And he was going down there fighting amongst, you know, the Walker Kesslers and the Jabari Smith and Cardwell and, and those guys that were 6'10", 6'11", 7'1". And he was down there getting rebounds. So just a, a really good performance by IDs Tony and, and critical to their success. Yeah, uh, I, and then, I mean, if you can have Audis Tony and Devontae Davis do what they did on top of what you're getting from J.D. Note and Jalen Williams, I mean, 28 points from Note, 11 at the line, uh, and then, of course, Williams, another double-double, 13 points, 11 rebounds. These, these two guys are definitely the heart and soul of your team. Uh, I'm curious, though, I – it's hard because the answer seems obvious. It seems like who's more important to this team. You want to say J.D. Note, but I don't know. If Jalen Williams isn't there, it's just – it doesn't feel right. If you lose either one of those guys, they're toast. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Eric Musman's first year where, you know, if you lost Mason Jones or Isaiah Joe, it was going to be bad. And, I mean, Mason Jones put up all the stats or whatever, was incredible SEC player of the year. But Isaiah Joe goes down for five games. They don't win a single one. And uh, I think they may have won one. But they, they were not – they weren't able to win games without Isaiah Joe. And that's what really kind of had the season not been cut short by the pandemic and everything. You know, maybe they win another game in the SEC tournament and get in. But at the time of the – when it ended, I don't know if they were in the NCAA tournament. If Isaiah Joe doesn't get hurt, they're a lock and they make the tournament. This year's team is in the same spot. If they lose J.D. Note or Jalen Williams for an extended period of time, it's not going to be good. I mean, we saw what they were without J.D. Note against Mississippi State, first SEC game of the year, and they lost by double digits. And it's easily their, their most lopsided loss of conference play. Uh, so those guys are both incredibly important. I, I go back and forth. You, you could ask me an hour from now and I'll change my answer, but J.D. Note is so good. 
and he, he's, his ability to score the ball and get you a bucket when no one else can, I think is, is extremely vital. Of course, Jalen Williams, what he gives you on the boards, I mean, he's a message board poster posted, uh, mentioned it on the, uh, on Hogbeat the other day that he is having one of the best rebounding seasons we've seen in school history. Uh, he has an outside chance to break the single season record for rebounds. Uh, that's going to take a decent run in the NCAA tournament, but to have a, even a chance, I mean, that shows you how incredible of a season he's had. So they're both, I mean, 1A, 1B in terms of importance to this team. I, I want to ask both of you, and we'll start with you, Alex, about Trey Wade. Um, you know, he's been in the starting lineup, part of this starting lineup that has helped win Arkansas nine games in a row. But it seems like the past, you know, two or three games maybe, uh, he hasn't played as much. I mean, he only played six minutes and 14 seconds against Auburn. Um, I, I, I mean, it could be attributed to a lot of things, but from your perspective, Alex, um, do you think that, you know, Trey Wade is just in there to, to provide a spark defensively at first, and then you're going to bring in Devo Davis or what do you think is kind of going on with him? Yeah, I, I think he's clearly still in the doghouse for landing on Moss's shoulder uh, and putting him in that sling. Uh, no, I, I, at the end of that game, I looked at it and I was like, you know, I, they showed Trey on the bench and I'm, I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't seen him at all this game. Uh, where's he been? Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. It could just be because the other guys, like we mentioned, Devo is doing his role uh, and Chris likes is filling his role on the team and they're doing such a good job at that that they don't necessarily need the, the kind of physicality that Trey Wade gives you. Uh, and, and another part of that is Jalen Williams. He's in there and he's able to, um, we were having a conversation a couple weeks ago about whether or not he, he could be a legitimate sec big. And I think he's proved us. I, I think we all said he could be, and, and he's proved us all right. He, he's in there banging with Walker Kessler, one of the best, one of the best bigs that I've seen play this season. Um, and I, I think all that kind of attributes to why, why Trey Wade's not necessarily getting those minutes. We, we've heard people talking about his his ability to kind of bring the team together and kind of do what's right when when it's needed. Um, and it just hasn't been needed. And I think that's fine if if you have the maturity that Trey does or that, that we hear that Trey does. And I think it's also very important that, that he is able to take that back seat and not not have it cause a rift within uh, within the chemistry of the team. Hutch, what are your thoughts? I think against Auburn, it was more of a matchup thing. And I mean, Eric Musselman kind of touched on this, you know, in the post game and that against Auburn, they wanted to go a little bit smaller than they have been uh, to kind of space things out, uh, you know, create driving lanes, things like that. Uh, and, you know, the way, the reason Wade was in there is because they decided they wanted to go with a big lineup and that's what they were wanting to do. And so, I think it's just a different game calls for a different thing. And, and that's kind of what I saw it as. I think there's going to be other games where Trey Wade plays a big role and, you know, maybe that's a, a game coming up here soon. I'm not sure. Uh, so it, it, that's one thing I really like about Eric Musselman is that he really tailors each game and treats each game differently. He's not going to try to make, okay, well, these are my five guys and they're all going to play 25, 30 minutes every game, no matter what he's going to say, okay, well, maybe this guy is, this isn't his matchup. Maybe we need to scale him back and give someone else a Kamani Johnson or a Devo Davis or a Chris likes extra minutes because it, it's a matchup that favors them or, or he's just, he's hot this game. So we got to give him more minutes. So I think that just kind of speaks to the flexibility of Eric Musselman. And 
I think that's uh, that makes him such a really, really good coach. All right, last thing before we wrap up basketball. Um, and we're allowed to do this because we're media. We're not on the team. We can look ahead. I mean, how long do you think they can extend this winning streak? Because you got Alabama. Alabama is not not an easy win. Then you have Missouri. Then you have Tennessee. Then you have Florida. So it's not like you have some cupcakes coming up, but you just beat the number one team. And, you know, I, I feel like most of these games, I mean, you got Kentucky, you got two games against Tennessee, but it, it seems like Arkansas has a chance to win a lot of the games that we were looking at a couple weeks ago and saying, well, you got to win these easy games because here's the hard games. But it's like not only did they win the easy games, I mean, they're winning every game, Hutch. Yeah, it's, it's a tough stretch. I think there's seven games left. I could easily see Arkansas going four and three. I could even see three and four. Five and two is on the table. Um, if they can get through Alabama this weekend, you know, that puts them at, I think they're at nine right now. They'd be 10 straight. Then you got at Missouri. That should be a game you win. Although Missouri playing Missouri and Columbia is always tricky, even when they're bad. Uh, Tennessee, you get them at home at first. You know, I, I think if, if they can get through those three games, I, I feel like the streak would probably end at Florida. I know Florida is not near as good as what they have been in recent years, but Gainesville is just such a tough place to play. And I just, I don't know if I have a hundred percent confidence that they could go on the road and win that one. And, and who knows, maybe a, a loss in that game might be what you need, you know, right before facing Kentucky, you know, get, get, get them kind of refocused and, you know, figure, you know, big, big time game against Kentucky. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that's tough. Alabama on the road is tough. Florida on the road is tough. And then to end the year at Tennessee is, is really tough as well. So I, I, if I had to sit here and predict it, I would say Arkansas goes four and three in those seven games. I think that put them at 23 wins in the regular season. And you're looking at a pretty decent seed if you can win a couple of games in the SEC tournament. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up basketball talk. Up next, we're going to have some baseball uh, catch you up on what's going on with the Diamond Hogs, and then we'll talk some football uh, later on. Alex, I mean, it's been forever since we've had you on here to talk some football, so we're excited for that, and uh, we'll, we'll get to that here on the Hog Beat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. We're talking baseball this segment. We got baseball season right around the corner, as in next week. Next week, next Friday, opening weekend, Arkansas will take on Illinois State. Um, so the the weather kind of screwed up the scrimmage schedule. They had a scrimmage inside. Media weren't – nobody was allowed. Um, and so we, we don't really know kind of what happened. I mean, we know a little bit. We've heard some stuff from – People who have inside sources, you know, talking about Coach Kevin Bohannon, you can only get that on hogbeat.com. So go subscribe to hogbeat.com. We won't tell you what he said. You got to go find it. So um, that's actually rude. I'm not going to say that. But uh, okay. So Dave Van Horn did speak with the Swatters Club on Monday. And uh, I kind of want to lead off with this, uh, Andrew Hutchinson. He, he said that. Arkansas has like 12 or 13 guys that that could be starters, like daily starters, and there's only nine nine slots to fill. So uh, we've been doing our projected starters for hogbeat.com. Go check that out as well. Uh, and we were talking before we recorded, 
I mean, it's so difficult to figure it out because there's so many guys that you could throw in at multiple positions. And I'm, and then even DH, I'm thinking like, you know, we've got Chris Lanzilli there, but there's like four or five other guys who could DH for this team. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of depends. You know, he's, he's talked about how loaded the outfield is and there's like, you know, four or five guys that you could put in the outfield and whoever's the odd man out is probably the front runner to be the DH. Well, you also have, you know, multiple other guys. I mean, so let's just try to figure it out. So, I mean, at, at catcher, he's got two guys he's very comfortable with. We feel like Michael Turner is going to be the star. That's who he projected. But he also really likes Dylan Leach. And it would not surprise me to see Dylan Leach play more as a backup catcher this year than we've seen in recent years with backup catchers. You know, Casey Opitz caught almost every game uh, over the last couple of years. So, uh, I would I would say – we're probably going to see Dylan Leach a little bit. Zach Gregory is a guy we don't have slotted in there. He's He played left field last year, but he's a guy who could come in and play in the infield. He could play in the outfield. Uh, he could be kind of your – I could see him being your, your Charlie Welch guy this year, albeit a totally different style. You know, Charlie Welch was a guy that had a ton of power and hit, you know, a gazillion home runs despite not playing a ton. Uh, Zach Gregory – He's got a little bit of pop, but his thing is he gets on base. I mean, the dude finds a way to get hit by pitches. He walks. He works the count. He doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, so he's a different kind of style, but you could that's still valuable as a pinch hitter or if a guy, you know, someone gets hurt, you can easily slot him into the lineup, and that that that, that would be big. Um, and, you know, who knows what we got. We got, you know, Braden Webb. We've got him slotted in center. He's dealing with a little bit of a quad injury, not fully healthy. It's kind of affected him at the plate, it seems like. So, you know, who knows what he does? You know, Brady Slavens is a guy that's, you know, battled a little bit of an arm issue. We've got him slotted in right field. He could play first base. He could DH, you know, but at first base, we got Peyton Stovall. He's a guy that's going to play every day somewhere in the field. Uh, so it, there are a lot of moving parts, and I did not envy Dave Van Horn one bit when it comes to writing out that day one starting lineup against Illinois State. Well, you don't envy him, but, I mean, the guy said it himself. Like, he enjoys having that problem. He, he tells the guys, like, make it hard on me to tell you you have to sit on the bench today. And, I mean, that that's like – that's just a trait that great coaches have, I guess. I mean, the coaches that want you to work hard for them. But I, it is it is difficult because there are so many guys. And, I mean, the freshmen who could play. You, I mean, Drake Varnado, he's a guy that we've heard a lot about. Um, Kendall Diggs. I mean, Davian Horn's talked about him as well. So there's just so many guys that you, you could you could throw in there, and that's going to be great for for the for your midweeks. That's going to be great if you have an injury, um, and that's I feel like that's something that Arkansas didn't have um, in, in the past in the past few years. I mean, you mentioned Charlie Welch, but once you get past Charlie Welch, it it really felt like it was just I don't know. It felt like there was more of a drop-off than there is this year. It feels like there's not really a drop-off. It's just like plug-and-go because there's so many guys that could be a starter. Yeah, and I mean, Dave Van Horn mentioned that some of this is going to get worked out because there's going to be injuries. That's just part of the game. You don't like to see it, uh, but it does happen. And, you know, if something happens to, say, for example, Jalen Battles, well, you could easily slot Robert Moore over and shortstop you got Peyton Stovall that could easily slide over to second and then you got a spot open at first you know maybe Brady Slavens can play there and then you got another open spot in the outfield 
Uh, you can move Caden Wallace to the outfield and, and put someone else like Zach Gregory at third. Uh, there's just so many options there. And it is a really good problem to have. Uh, and plus, the other thing is, is he, he said this, and this is vital, it seems like everyone really enjoys each other and is really pulling for each other. So you're not going to have guys sitting on the bench being like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm not playing over so-and-so. Uh, it seems like they've all got really good attitudes and uh, they're really out to kind of prove people like, hey, you know, we're, we can get back to Omaha. You know, last year kind of had a disappointing ending, uh, but, you know, we're still, we're still Arkansas. We can still do this. So I think that's kind of the mindset of the guys and uh, whether they're playing every day or uh, having a key bench role or something like that. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's shaping up to be a really good year for Arkansas at the plate, in my opinion. Well, what it's not going to be good for Arkansas this year is nationally televised games. That is not shaping up to be a good year for Arkansas and Hutch. Um, I know that you feel strongly about that, so I'm just going to I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to mute myself and I'm going to let you go on your rant. I'll come back in a few minutes. Yeah, so uh, the SEC announced on Wednesday the uh, schedule for ESPN2, ESPNU, and SEC Network games. Uh, Arkansas has eight. They, they've got six games on SEC Network and two on ESPN2. Both of those games are the Ole Miss series. Uh, if you want to go check out which games those are, uh, go, go to hogbeat.com. I've got a story on it. Uh, however, eight games uh, for the team that went all of last year pretty much as the number one team in the country, uh, number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, preseason top 10, D1 baseball's got them number two in the rankings, and you've got them on national television eight times. Uh, for perspective, everyone else except for four teams in the SEC has more games on the big channels, SEC Network, ESPN2, ESPNU. Uh, Vanderbilt's got like 12, or no, Mississippi State's got 12. Vanderbilt's got 11 or 10. Uh, the teams that you're tied with are Auburn, Texas A&M, Missouri. Yes, Missouri has a baseball team, and South Carolina. That's three garbage teams and South Carolina who's mediocre. You know, they've, they've got a good program, uh, but nowhere like Arkansas. You know, Arkansas should have two or three more games on TV. I mean, the Vanderbilt series, Vanderbilt comes to Baumwalker stadium and none of those three games are going to be on TV. Now, all of these games, I, I have to clarify are streamed on SEC network plus it's really hard to complain about SEC network plus when, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't get like any games on TV. You had to listen on the radio. So I'm not complaining about that. I am complaining about the fact that they're putting teams like Missouri or, or I guess Kentucky, uh, Alabama. Those, get, those teams get more games on SEC Network or ESPN2, ESPNU than Arkansas. And if you're an Arkansas fan, that should really piss you off. I mean, that is just absolutely ridiculous scheduling by the SEC and frankly, I don't, I don't know that there's a good explanation for it. Yes, Arkansas could potentially get another game or two. I think there's four wild card spots that haven't been filled for that last weekend of the, the regular season. But Arkansas ends the year at Alabama. That's not exactly a desirable series. And I mean, who knows what, what's at stake at that point. So eight games, eight out of 56 you got a couple of games on Flow Sports, that, that Round Rock tournament's on Flow Sports. You've got uh, a, the game at Kauffman Stadium is going to be on your view or something. I've never even heard of that on Cox Communications. Uh, good luck if you have that. But to only have that many games 
on SEC Network and ESPNU, ESPN2 is just absurd. And I frankly wish I could give you an explanation for it, and I can't. All right. There you go. There it is. Um, if you okay, so if you want more baseball content, and if you're not able to watch watch any of those games because they aren't televised, I've got a great option for you, and it's called the Diamond Hogs Podcast. It's with myself and Robert Stewart. Uh, you you'll be able to find it on Hogbeat.com. We're also going to be partnered with Hit That Line, which this podcast is also uh, part of the ESPN Arkansas Network. Thursdays at seven o'clock. Go listen statewide. Um, but you can go find that there. Robert and I will be breaking down series. We'll be talking to players, talking to former players, talking to Andrew Hutchinson, talking to Kevin Bohannon. It's, it's going to be a great season. We had an awesome year last year, but it's going to be even bigger and better this year. And if you're not able to watch the game, you can find out everything you need to know about just by listening to the diamond Hawks podcast. So that'll be coming out on Monday, February 14th, first episode uh, how to get that plug in there. It'll also be available on hogbeat.com, YouTube. Go check it out. Um, okay, up next, we're going to talk football. Alex Trader, finally your time to shine. You didn't get to talk baseball, but we get to talk football with you next here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on hitthatline.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour for the last segment. It is football. Talking football, recruiting with Alex Trader and Andrew Hutchinson. Uh, Alex, start off with uh, Brennan Jordan from Mansfield, Texas, announcing on Sunday, I believe. Uh, that would be a big get for the Hogs. That would be a big get for the Hogs. And, you know, the more you look at it, the more you hope that um, if you're the Arkansas staff, that, that your newest or one of your newest additions and Caleb James is in there putting in work because – uh, we talked about it a little bit before, but he, he is transferring to Mansfield. He's at Mansfield now, was at Nolan Catholic. So um, between Caleb James being there and, and likely being in his ear, uh, I talked to him a little bit at prospect days um, about potentially bringing Brendan along with him. And he's like, you know, I'm just sitting there telling him, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Um, between that and then also having ties to the area, being from Arkansas, you have to like where the staff's at with that one. Um, landed in his top three a couple of days ago, and then he's committing Sunday, like you said. It'd be a big, big pickup. He's a Rivals 250 player, uh, 5.8 safety. Really, really great player. I was able to see him um, in a game in week zero this season. He did get dinged up in that one, so it wasn't his best game, uh, admittedly, by him. But you could see the speed uh, before he got dinged up where he was able to go out there and, and kind of light it up uh, in terms of the kick return game. West just avoided him, which I can't blame him. Kicked it as far away from him as possible. Um, and and I, I think, you know, this one's kind of a toss-up. He did pick up a future cast to Texas Tech yesterday, which may just be someone seeing that he was in the top three and, and putting that one in. I'm not quite sure the reasoning on why uh, he's leaning one way or another. I've reached out and tried to get a hold of him, but uh, it, it looks like we might just kind of see, see Sunday what's going on there. So as far as other guys, um, it's kind of slow on the recruiting front right now, but as far as other guys who are – um, showing interest in Arkansas, planning visits. I, I think I saw that there's a really good running back, uh, Trayon Webb, who's planning on visiting on March 5th. Uh, fill us in on that and maybe some other guys that are going to be on campus here in the next few weeks. 
Yeah, uh, Webb is the, is the number two all-purpose all back in the country. He was a, a part of that Lincoln-Riley fallout, just like Luke has was. Um, that They were, you know, supposed to be classmates. Were two of the bigger pieces within that class. I mean, I know it's Oklahoma, and you've got a, you've got the, a ton of those five stars, but um, Webb would be a massive, massive pickup, and also a massive flex for the staff. Um, if they're able to bring him in, you know, uh, it's not a guy where you look at Arkansas a couple of years ago and you think they have any kind of chance. But after, you know, posting the, the SEC's leading rushing attack and being able to do what they what they did in the run game and have the Kendall Browse offense and build that momentum, it's been really impressive. And it's getting guys on campus. And I think that's a really important part of building towards that recruiting momentum and continuing to try to to, to continually up your uh, caliber of players you're able to bring in. Um, also on campus is going to be a 5.5 three-star uh, Will Pritchard at quarterback. Uh, just tweeted that out yesterday. So um, should March 5th should be a, a little bit of a busier uh, weekend than what we're seeing uh, lately, which makes sense because we are in the dead period. But um, nonetheless, you, you got to be looking forward to that if you're, you're Sam Pittman and company. Well, kind of switching gears, I'm going to bring Hutch in on this one. Five five players from Arkansas are going to be going to the scouting combine. Uh, I believe that's that's the most in a, in a while, Hudge. So that's that's pretty good for the Hogs, and it shows that hey, if you if you come here, you got a chance to go to the pros. Yeah, I mean they've got five guys going to the combine, as you said. That's the most they've had in five years since 2017. So that kind of gives you an idea. Uh, not really many surprises on this list. I mean, Monteric Brown, Traylon Burks, Myra Cunningham, John Ridgway, and Trey Williams. Uh, they're among the 324 prospects who are going to be going to, to Indianapolis at the beginning of March. Uh, I, the guy that I'm most excited about in that group is obviously Traylon Burks. I mean, he's a guy that could easily be a first-round draft pick, and I think he's going to solidify himself as that maybe even as the top wide receiver in the class, uh, if he goes and runs well. I mean, we saw what he could do running away from Alabama defenders. Uh, he's a guy that I think could, could really improve his stock in Indianapolis. And I also thought it was interesting, Trey Williams, who is a pass rushing defensive end for the Razorbacks, uh, the NFL's official list of invites uh, listed him as a linebacker. So that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on, kind of how he ends up at the next level. So uh, really, really good, solid group of players Arkansas sent in there. Uh, and as I said, first time in half a decade, they've had that many, which you'd expect that to happen after a nine-win season like they had. I'm, I'm curious, Hutch, before we wrap up here, uh, so Traylon Burks, obviously that's who you're excited about, but um, it, looking at the other guys, is there of the other four guys, who do you think has, a, has the best chance of being drafted in a pretty good position um, I mean, none of these guys are going to be first round picks, but um, I mean, some of them might not even get drafted, but do you think one of them has a chance to go maybe in a middle round? You know, I'm, I'm partial to Monteric Brown just because I really like him and think he's a lot better than the love he gets uh, nationally. But I think John Ridgway is probably a really good prospect. I think he had a really good week at the senior bowl, uh, really productive and, and looked good there. Uh, if he goes and has a really good productive, you know, combine then I think he could easily work himself into those middle rounds like you were saying and uh, he could he could be a guy that you know it makes makes a living in the NFL I mean Arkansas had some pretty good defensive tackles the last few years and Jonathan Marshall Armand Watts uh, Sosa Aguin. Uh so it, it I think he could easily join that group and if he has a really good combine in Indianapolis 
All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here on the Hogbeat Hour. Uh, if you like what you see, um, give us a thumbs up, give us a subscribe, and then go check everything out on hogbeat.com. Everything we talk about, you can get that and more on hogbeat.com. Um, but thanks, guys, for joining me. Thank you guys for listening out there, and we'll talk to you next week.